All right, two cities, welcome today. We're so excited to have you all here. Thanks for everyone joining us online as well. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Caleb Dubik. I'm one of the pastors here at Two Cities Church. And before we dive in today, I just wanna take a moment to say thank you. We came to you a couple of weeks ago and we let you know, hey, remember that VHQ venue that we had over in the other building? Yeah, we're taking it away. Um, the reason for that is because we're seeing such an influx of kids here in our kids' ministry that we're just running out of space and we're needing to find more room for them. And so we actually took a picture of what's going on there last week. They're gonna put it up on the screen. It's awesome. It's amazing. So we want you to see what we're putting that room to use for. Man, you see kids back there worshiping, praising, learning about God. And I don't know if you guys know this, we have over 200 kids every single week showing up to kids' ministry now. That's the size of two average churches in America today. Coming, meeting friends, meeting Jesus, and you guys are helping us do that. So we just wanna stop and say thank you. Well, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter seven today. We're gonna be in verses 15 through 20 as we continue to work through the Sermon on the Mount. And as you guys flip there or uh, tap your, your way into that passage, I wanna share a story with you from my childhood. It's actually my most embarrassing story from childhood, so buckle up. Um, for those of you who don't know, I grew up in the majestic city of Sandwich, Illinois. And uh, man, just a great place to, to, to be raised and to grow. But I remember one of the, the coolest places in Sandwich, Illinois is the Yum Yum Shop. That was the coolest restaurant that you could go to. And I remember me and my family went there uh, one night. It might have been after a t-ball game or something like that. But um, we ate our supper together. But what the Yum Yum Shop is known for is their yummer. It's the ice cream that you get to mix all these kind of candy and all that stuff into. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so when we finished our meal, I went up and I was looking at the ice cream. I was looking at the toppings that we can mix in, just getting really excited. And I decided, okay, I know what I want. And then I turned to go back to uh, sit down with my family. My dad's right in front of me. He's walking back too. So I decide, man, I'm just full of joy right now. I'm gonna grab his belt loops and just start doing, you know, one of these things behind him. You know, just doing a little dance and jig. And so we dance our way into the dining room and I look over where my family's at and my dad's sitting at the table. <laughs> and so I look up at the guy and he's laughing at me and the whole city of Sandwich is laughing at me. It's fantastic. And so what that tells you though is outward appearances are not enough. Just because it looks right on the outside doesn't mean it is right. It's really what's on the inside that matters the most. And we've seen this all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. It's not about the external, it's about the internal. And that's hard for us today because we live in a culture that is obsessed with the external. Am I right? You guys can look around you and you see the external just being, man, idolized in so many ways. I think about the appearance that people put so much time into. I don't know if you know this, but the average woman spends 55 minutes every morning getting ready for the day. Men spend 17. Maybe we need to spend a little bit more time, all right? <laughs> Jennifer Aniston, the famous actress, she spends $200,000 every year on her appearance. Fitness is another thing that's on the rise. Most millennials are now on track to spend more on fitness than they are on their college education over the course of their lifetime. LeBron James spends one and a half million dollars on his body every single year. This is a fun one. Millennials spend on average 73 minutes a week posing for or editing fitness pictures for Instagram. That's more than I work out in a week, right? <laughs> so, and so we see like then there's this obsession with the external, but we know that really it doesn't always match. The story is different on the internal. Studies are 
have been done, there's multiple studies that have found this, but most people who spend time posting fitness pictures or um, stuff about their relationship or marriage or parenting, uh, statistically struggle with those things more or they feel more insecure about those things. So what you post does not really match the reality of what is inside. You see that? I mean, I, I remember a college a couple that I knew who seemed to have the Insta life all together. Their marriage looked awesome with all the filters and all this different stuff on Instagram, but then it just cut off one day, and it's like, well, it happened to them. Well, I found out that they were getting divorced. And so what you saw on the outside did not match the inside. Jesus says, don't get caught up in that. And we're gonna see that even more here in this passage. Look with me at verse 15. It says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And so in this passage, Jesus is calling us, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived about the people that you are following or being influenced by, and don't be deceived about your own self. This passage is, for many of us, gonna be a wake-up call where Jesus is gonna call you to examine who are you really following and what is true in your own life. And the big idea that you need to walk away with today is this, nothing proves your faith like your fruit. Nothing can prove your faith like your fruit. And so the first thing that we see Jesus calling us to in this passage is number one, discern carefully the fruit in others' lives. We need to discern carefully the fruit in other people's lives. He says this in verse 15, beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He's saying, look out for these false prophets. Jesus, John, Peter, Paul, all these apostles who write to us in the New Testament, almost every single one of them is telling us to look out for these false prophets. You're gonna see this warning in almost every New Testament letter. And they say, they're gonna come to you. They're not like where's Waldo in Carmen San Diego that don't wanna be found. They're gonna come to you where you live, learn, work, play, worship. They're gonna come to you and he says, beware them, beware them. And that word's used in the present imperative. It says you're gonna have to keep your guard up all of your life because it's always gonna be happening. They're gonna be coming to you constantly. And so as we try to understand this, perhaps one of the best places we can start is what is a prophet? Because that might seem like an antiquated word to most of us. Like we don't bring that up in normal everyday conversation. Well, when we think about a prophet, they tend to do two things. They answer two questions. The first answer, or the first question that they answer is number one, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And the second question that they answer is, what should you do about it? They're always answering those two questions. And so when you look at the Bible, you can see them answering the first question. Hey, here's what's wrong. Here's what went wrong. Here's why this is happening. You can see the the biblical prophets saying, well, the reason that this has happened is because of your generational disobedience because you've gone after other idols. That's why this is happening to you in scripture. But when you look at prophets in the world today, they're gonna have something that might sound a little bit different. Hey, the reason you're experiencing this is because you're not doing it the right way. Or maybe you're not doing the right thing. Hey, 
Maybe the reason you feel isolated and unloved and lonely is because you don't have X in your life. And so they're always trying to diagnose why this is happening to you, but then they always offer a solution to you. They offer, what should you do about it? Here's the antidote. And what we see prophets saying in the, in the Bible is, listen, repent. The antidote is repenting, turning back to God, following him again. But what we often hear in the world today is something different. Hey, you need to start doing this. You need to buy this thing. You need to look more like this kind of person. You need to adopt this kind of lifestyle. And that's going to answer it for you. You see, false prophets are often going to have the first question wrong. Maybe sometimes they get it right. Maybe it's biblical. But every single time, they are going to be pointing you to something, some answer that is not what God intended for us. They're always going to be pointing us away from Christ. But true prophets will always go back to the scripture and say, what does God say? Here's where the problem is. And always, true prophets will point us to the answer, which is Jesus Christ. And so we need to be able to learn and see what people are saying. That's going to help us recognize who is true and who is false. And we're going to run into two types of false prophets in the world today. Two types. The first one that you're going to run into is secular false prophets. Okay, when I say secular, that means false prophets who are simply just outside of the church. They're going to be outside of the church. And so what are these secular false prophets going to look like? Well, a, a quote that I found helpful this past week comes from Charlie Jones. He's a motivational speaker. He says this, and I think it applies well to help us diagnosing this. He says, five years from now, you will be the same person that you are today, except for the people that you meet and the books that you read. You can take that. He, what he's saying is that we are all influenced by people and things. And so let's start with people. Some of the false prophets, secular, that you're going to run into are the people in your life. Maybe that's the people that you are inviting into your friend circle. Maybe for students, that's your teacher, that's your professor. Maybe that's someone that you're trying to build a relationship with. They're going to have an impact on who you are. They influence you. But you can also take books, like he said, or maybe modernize that a little bit more. Maybe that's the podcast you listen to. Maybe it's your social media feed. Maybe it's the streaming services that you partake in. Every single one of those people or things is going to come to you with a narrative, their own version of what's wrong in the world today and what's the answer. That can be implicit. That can be explicit. Maybe it's coming right out and saying what it is, or they're showing you a vision of what can be, and it's saying, follow this, do this. It draws us in. And the three questions you have to ask, I think this is really helpful. If you want to really truly diagnose who are those false prophets, secular false prophets in your life, ask yourself these three questions. Maybe write them down. Number one is, who is shaping and influencing me? Think about that. Who is shaping and influencing me? The second question is, how are they shaping and influencing me? What kind of things are they stirring up within me? What's changing about me because I'm following them? And the third question you should ask is, should they be shaping and influencing me? Because if you truly ask those first two questions, you're going to maybe hear some things you don't like. It's going to help you diagnose, should this person be the kind of person that I'm following because of what they're producing in my life? Now, some of you might sit back and like, eh, that's not me. No one puts thoughts into my own head that I don't want there. Well, the truth is you're a fool, right? Every single one of us is being influenced by somebody or something always. 
I could tell you who is influencing you by looking at the podcast that you are subscribed to. I could tell you who's influencing you by looking at your browsing history. In fact, artificial intelligence knows us better than we probably know our own selves. Some of you are on Instagram, it's like, man, why do I keep getting ads, like these creepy ads for used vans? Well, Instagram knows that every day you're checking Johan Johansson's travel lifestyle Instagram account, and you see him in his upfitted van in Iceland, living the life. You're like, man, that's awesome, I'm liking all of those. And that's why it's trying to get you to buy creepy vans, because it knows what you want to be like. You want to be like Johan Johansson in Iceland, okay? Artificial intelligence knows us. Every single one of us is influenceable. The only question is who is influencing you? And so we need to be aware of these secular false prophets that are going to come into our lives. But number two, we need to be aware of religious false prophets, religious false prophets. These are going to be prophets that come to you in the name of religion, and sometimes it's going to be false religions, right? It can be Mormonism, Islam, Judaism, Buddhism. And Jesus says, hey, we need to be aware of those. It's important for us to know and understand what they believe so that we can confront it, so we can deconstruct it, that we can maybe understand it enough that we can come to those people who believe those things and say, man, let me tell you about Jesus and how he's different than what you believe. Maybe understanding those things helps us better understand the faith that we have. And so we need to be aware of those things. But Jesus says specifically, beware false prophets who are gonna come to you under the name of Christian. False prophets who come to you under the Christian mantle because those ones are incredibly dangerous. He says they're like wolves coming amongst you like sheep. He says this, they're gonna come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are going to be ravenous wolves. You see, these false prophets that come under the name of Christ, they're gonna look, seem, and feel like everyone else. They're gonna seem harmless and they're gonna seem good but really inwardly they are dangerous. Why don't we recognize these false, you know, these false prophets, these wolves? Well, it's often because we're looking in the wrong place. Too often we get wrapped up in their buildings or their audiences, their followings. Hey, this person is writing a book under a Christian publisher, so they must be good. Man, they've got all the appearances. Maybe they're advising you know, national leaders when it comes to the faith. And so they seem like they've got it all together on the outside. You see, false prophets are not scary. They smile, right? And so we have to be aware that we are often looking at the wrong things when we're trying to discern who is a false prophet. And they're going to come to us in the big C church and in the little C church. They're going to be out there proclaiming the name of Christ. They're going to be called pastor, president, founder. They're going to be overseeing churches, ministries, and schools, They may use the name Christ, they may use all the right language, but oftentimes they're giving you something far less than the truth. Maybe they're giving you half the truth or partial truth, which is not the real truth, right? When they preach, they're not using their Bibles, they're talking about their experiences or their thoughts or what God has said to them. And they're also gonna be in the Little C Church. Two cities, unfortunately, this is true for us. We're gonna have false prophets, we're gonna have wolves in our own midst. They're gonna look like Real members. They're gonna look like they, man, they're all stars when it comes here. But we have to be discerning, we have to be aware. And they're gonna come to you and they're gonna have big errors and they're gonna have little errors. Some of those big errors, those are a grace from God because they're apparent right away. We're like, okay, that ain't right. 
So when you go into a prayer meeting and someone starts praying, Mother God, we come to you, when you're like, yep, I, I'm gonna leave, okay. You know, some of those big errors are nice because it's very apparent, but a lot of times they're gonna come with little errors. They're gonna seem insignificant. They're gonna be easy to overlook. But one of the things we know about little errors is that they tend to lead to big errors over time. It's a slippery slope. I think one of the best examples I've seen in my lifetime is Rob Bell. Rob Bell was a pastor in Michigan. He was labeled the next Billy Graham. How about that? But over time, as you listen to him, you started to see him undermining the authority of scripture. Not long after that, he comes out with a book that says, I believe everybody gets to go to heaven. And then even more, more comes out of saying, man, just not in line with scripture, not in line with the gospel, walking more and more away from that and leading all kinds of people with him. You know, Charles Spurgeon, he said this about little heirs. Satan knows that we would never consent to give up the wheel of the gospel chariot. And therefore, in his craftiness, he only asks for the linchpins to be handed over to him. When we give her those linchpins, it's more and more easy for that wheel to completely fall off. And so, how will we know who to follow and not to follow? Well, Jesus is very helpful. He doesn't just leave us there. He says, here's what you need to look for. He says in verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. Some of you are like, what are fruits? What are these fruits you speak of? Well, it's what your wife keeps trying to get you to eat, okay? <laughs> no, he's talking about something different here. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You know, back in college, one of my best friends, his name was John Damry. He studied horticulture. That's like plants and those kind of things. And I remember, just because he's learning all this stuff, whenever we're walking around or we go different places, I'm like, hey, John, what is that? What's that tree? What's that bush there? And he amazed me because he always knew what those are. And I'm like, I have no clue. I'm looking at the branches. I'm looking at the leaves. I'm like, man, I can't tell what this is. And at some point, he's like, Caleb, one of the most helpful things you could probably do is just start looking at, like, is there fruit or is there, like, seeds that kind of set it apart? That may be one of the best ways that you can do that. And so I remember walking along someday, and I'm like, hey, John, what's that tree? He's like, go look. I was like, okay. Oh, look, there's cherries on it. Oh, this is some kind of cherry tree. Awesome. I understand that. And that's what we're going to have to do is learn how to recognize fruits. Not all of us are going to have a John Damry in our life that's going to be able to walk along with us and help us recognize these false prophets. And so we're going to have to learn how to read the fruit to look at them, to see what's a fruit and what's actually a facade, okay? And so I want to give you four helpful principles for what it looks like to discern fruit in people's lives. Four different things that are gonna help you discern the fruit in people's lives. Number one, it takes time to discern fruit. Oftentimes it's gonna take time to discern what that fruit is. Sometimes you walk up to a tree and it's like, boom, apple tree, I got that one. And then other times you're gonna walk up, it's like, man, it's not clear, I don't know. Sometimes it's gonna have to wait for that fruit to reveal itself to you, for you to understand really what a person is like. The second thing you need to do is look for the quality of the fruit. Look for the quality of the fruit. Jesus says in verse 17, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Listen, Jesus doesn't tell us to look at the size of the fruit. He doesn't tell us to look at the amount of the fruit. He says, look at the quality of the fruit. Is this a Walmart fruit or a local farmer's market fruit? You're gonna know the difference in quality. So Jesus says, look for the quality of those fruit. The third thing we need to do is know the difference between unbelievers and maturing believers. 
Know the difference between unbelievers and maturing believers because sometimes you're going to be looking at someone and they're going to be a spiritual infant or a spiritual child. You're going to be expecting a yellow banana when what you see is a green banana, right? And so we need to be careful not to equate immature fruit with bad fruit. That's very important. And I'll be honest, it's frustrating when you're dealing with unripe fruit, right? When you get those avocados and you only have a 12-hour span when they're perfect for making guacamole. It's frustrating when you don't have that. And you can feel like that with immature believers in your life. Maybe that's someone in your DNA group or your community group. Maybe that's one of your kids. But Jesus says, listen, don't cast them aside. You're going to have to deal with them differently. You're going to have to deal with them through a lens of grace. Maybe God is putting you in their life to help them mature and to help them to grow into the kind of person he wants them to be. And so know the difference between unbelievers and maturing believers. Number four, look for patterns, not isolated incidents. We look for patterns, not isolated incidents. And this is a really good, helpful thing to practice across the board in a lot of different ways. But is this person just making a one-time mistake? Is it a one-time thing? You can still address that, but you're going to address it differently. But remember, every Christian is a work in progress. We are all growing. We're not always going to get it perfectly all the time. And so we think, remember, it's about people's direction, not perfection. And so what we're looking for is settled, unrepentant, and unchanging patterns in people's lives. And here's the kind of fruit that we're looking for. What kind of fruit are you looking for as you practice these things? What should you be looking for? Well, I think there's three types of fruit that we have to discern. The first one is the message. We need to look at their message. This is what are they saying? What do they believe? When you hear them talk, as you hear them lead, as you hear them live, are they talking about scripture and the gospel? Or are they talking about something else? I think a beautiful picture, when you look at someone and they're in line with the, the message of scripture is, hey, they're leading people out of scripture. They're leading people from the gospel. They are talking about sin and its consequences. They are owning the fact that, listen, following Christ means that we are going to suffer. It's not going to be easy. They're talking about the kingdom of God. They're talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. They're talking about grace. That's the kind of message we want to see in people. Other times you look at other people and it's not that. You hear them talking about, hey, you need Jesus plus fill in the blank. That's what it's about. Or God exists to make you happy. Or hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're gonna be healthy, wealthy, and successful. Or maybe they believe that God loves giving his people power and influence in their country, and that's why we're here. Or maybe they see Jesus as this benevolent person looking down from heaven on all these people and saying, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? We look at people's message because it really shows us where they're at in their hearts. Number two, we don't just look at the message, we look at the man or the women, right? We look at their character, what's inside them, who are they and what do they do? You know, on a positive side of thing, when we look at the person, do we get a glimpse of Jesus whenever we look in their life? Again, not perfection, but direction. Are they looking like Jesus? When we look at the different spheres of their life, do we see them growing in humility and serving people? Are they growing in holiness? That's a picture of a man or woman who's following after God. Or when we look at their life, do we see someone like the congressman who's calling out the, the governor for sexual harassment and then a week later gets called out for the exact same thing, right? 
Or maybe it's the person who's leading all kinds of women on her blog, telling them and giving them all kinds of marriage advice, while at the same exact time, she's separating from her husband and getting divorced. Or maybe it's the pastor who's preaching grace and patience, while at the same time, he goes home and is a tyrant to his wife and children. We have to understand what's at the heart of a person. Who are they as a man or as a woman? And so we look at the message of the man, and lastly, we look at their ministry. What are they producing? What are they multiplying? What do their followers look like if they have any? You know, on the good side of things, maybe you have a pastor or, or a ministry leader who's pouring into and investing people who are loving Christ and going hard after him. Or maybe it's the grandfather who, whose children love the Lord, and now his grandchildren love them too, and, and they're all walking with him. You look at the ministry of a person, or is it the other end of things where Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, listen, you're making disciples who are twice as bad as you are. Maybe it's the ministry or the, the radio host or the TV host that creates nothing but anxious and angry followers all the time. What kind of ministry are they leading? What kind of ministry do they have? Jesus says, it is vitally important for us to understand who we are following, who we are going after, because it has an effect on us. But we see that we also have to take the finger when we're pointing outward and looking at the people around us, what does their fruit look like? At some point, we have to take the fingers and point it back at ourselves and say, where am I at? Where am I at? What kind of fruit do I have in my life? Which is number two, we need to diligently cultivate fruit in our own lives. Diligently cultivate fruit in your own life. This calls back to a couple weeks ago. You have to take care of the log in your eye before you start calling out the speck in other people's, right? The Sermon on the Mount calls us to move from self-righteousness to self-examination. And I'll be willing to bet, if you're a Christian here today, if you're like me, maybe you can look in your life and you can see some kind of fruit. Praise God for that. But oftentimes, that comes with the reality of like, man, I know God has so much more for me. I know there's so much more I want to see in my own life. And so what is the kind of fruit that Jesus wants you to grow in your life? What does he want to see multiplying in your life? Where can you go to find what that looks like? Well, I think going back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Look at the Beatitudes. I was listening to them just this morning. It's like, man, I want to grow in that. Maybe you look at the Ten Commandments. That's another area that reveals where we're supposed to grow. But I think one of the best places that we can go to is in Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm just gonna read this over you. Here's what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what God wants to produce in your life as a Christian. But you need to see, is this something that we manufacture on our own? No. It's called the, not the fruit of Caleb. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that only the Spirit can produce in us. It's not something we can manufacture on our own. And so how does that work? How do we allow the Spirit to grow that in us? Well, I think it's simply putting ourselves in places in our lives that invites the Holy Spirit in and gives him freedom to be able to work and cultivate those things in our hearts and in our lives. And so what are those spaces look like? What's that soil that we need to plant ourselves in as trees? Well, I think it's something as simple as spiritual disciplines. Disciplines are things that we do routinely, often, that they become automatic 
in our lives, but they're spiritual in nature. They're spiritual disciplines that we invite the spirit to come and cultivate these things within us that we hope that we're growing as healthy trees. And so hear this today. This is something that we need to really understand because we can get frustrated when we try to like do these things and we're not seeing that fruit. But what Jesus calls us to is to focus on the process, not the product. Focus on the process, not the product. Another way we can say that is focus on health, not growth. Because here's what he says in verse 17. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Don't get so fixated on the good fruit. He says, just focus on being a healthy tree. If you're a healthy tree, that good fruit is going to come in your life. Another way we say that at Two Cities is healthy things grow. If we're growing in health, that fruit is gonna come along with it. And so what are these healthy disciplines that you guys can start doing today, this week, that are gonna invite the spirit in to help us cultivate those things? Number one, I think the most important thing, bar none, that we can do is abide in God's word. Abide in God's word. Listen to this passage from Psalm 1. It says this, Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Another word for the law is God's word. It says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. That's what it looks like, abiding in God's word. It's the number one most important thing we can do. That means engaging God's word, meditating on it, maybe memorizing it, applying it to your life. Some of you hear this and like, Caleb, that sounds great. I've been trying that. It's not working for me. You have to hear what it says here. It says, listen, if you, do, if you do this, it's going to yield its fruit in its season. Maybe it's not always gonna be immediate and automatic right away whenever you do this. Sometimes we have to wait for a season for it to come. It's like bamboo. I don't know if you guys know much about bamboo, but when you plant bamboo, it looks like nothing is happening for five years. Five years. But what it's doing over those five years is it's, developing intricate root systems. And after that five years, in a matter of six weeks, it shoots up 90 feet in the air. And that's what some of your guys' time in the Word is gonna look like. It's gonna feel like years of waiting, but after doing it dutifully, knowing and trusting that the Lord is gonna use it, you're gonna see it shoot up in your life. You're gonna see fruit growing. So we need to be diligent. We need to dedicate ourselves to it and trust the process that the Lord has given us to grow that fruit. Another thing that we use is prayer. Prayer is a response to that time we engage in scripture. We say here that, script, or that prayer is scripture fed. We come out of that. It's a dialogue that we have with God, and any healthy relationship requires dialogue with one another. A psychiatrist I've found helpful over the years, he says that couples need to spend 90 minutes each week connecting with one another, talking, dialoguing. In a way, it connects their stories together with one another and creates healthy couples what if we looked at our relationship with God the same way? Where it takes 90 minutes each week for us to be able to truly connect with each other, to listen to what he's saying to us and to respond to him. That's less than 15 minutes each day that we can spend with him and then reciprocate back and just speak back to him. Imagine what kind of work the spirit could do in our lives if we dedicated ourselves to that. Another thing that we do, a spiritual discipline is repentance. Repentance, and that's an odd one. But hear what John the Baptist says in Matthew 3. He says this, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. 
What we see is that fruit is the overflow of a life of repentance. And some of you, if you think about this, the place that you are going to be most fruitful in your life is where you repent the most. Some of you are wanting to be fruitful in your marriage with your spouse. If that's true, that means that's probably gonna be the number one area that you're gonna have to learn to repent the most. Or maybe you wanna be fruitful as a parent. You're gonna have to learn to repent a lot. It's a spiritual discipline that the spirit uses to work in us and grow with us. And the last one I'm gonna say, there's many more I could say. The last one I'll say is abiding with God's people. And that means practicing community because listen, we know, we don't fully know ourselves. We need other people in our lives who can really get a picture that we don't see of us, who are willing to call us up and call us out, who are willing to hold us accountable to do things. And I look at two cities and I say, I see a people who are in community, praise God. But the question maybe you need to ask, if you're not already plugged in, you need to get plugged in. If you are, maybe what you need to do is prioritize it and start showing up. Maybe you need to take your step and say, I'm gonna be real with these people. Not acting like I have it all together. I'm gonna be real, transparent, and vulnerable because the Spirit loves using that. Or maybe I'm gonna come and I'm not just gonna be a needy person, but I'm gonna see myself as needed. This is a place that I don't just show up and consume. It's a place that I pour myself into other people. The Spirit loves using that. And with all disciplines, just like habits, know this, you are going to fail. You're gonna fall short. But what you need to do when you do that is trust in God and get back to it. Ask the Spirit, help me to get back on again. Help me to start going in the right direction again. Invite other people to hold you accountable and start working through those things. How can you grow in that? And it is going to be work. Producing fruit takes a lot of hard work. My dad's a farmer, I know better than most. But it's a work that we need to do. But listen, even as we work hard, we don't depend on our work either. And that leads us to the third thing that Jesus needs us to see is we don't depend on our own works. Number three, we depend continually on the fruit of Christ's life. We need to depend continually on the fruit of Christ's life because the thing that we need to beware more than false prophets is being false disciples. That's the most important thing that we need to hear today. Verse 17, he says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And here's the sad reality that I have to talk about today. Some of you think that you are followers of Jesus, but if you were to look honestly in your own life, you have nothing but bad or diseased fruit in your life. You have no evidence of a saving faith in your life. And some of you are very good at picking apart the bad fruit in other people's lives, but have a very hard time turning the finger back in and doing that for yourself. Some of you have all this kind of bad fruit and you just try to rationalize it or make excuses for it. Well, hey, this is the fruit that was handed to me. I can't do anything about that. Or I know I've got bad fruit, but look at this guy. He's way worse than mine. And so you try to rationalize it. Others of you, you try to ignore it or practice willful blindness. You've got rotting, diseased fruit in the corner of your kitchen and you're just ignoring it, hoping that somebody else takes care of it or that it will simply go away. And that's what we're acting like with our life. And the sad thing is, if all that you have is bad fruit, then there is only one conclusion. You are a diseased tree. 
You're a diseased tree. And Jesus has a sobering message for you today. Verse 19 says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And you need to hear this today. Jesus is speaking about the reality of hell. And the reality is that there are many people who are proclaiming to be followers of Christ who are far from him. And we know that there's only one thing that happens with people like that. The only thing that is awaiting them is eternal separation from God and eternal darkness, eternal death. Now, some of you are not happy right now that I'm talking about hell. Some of you are not happy that Jesus talks about it, and he talks about it a lot. But what I need you to know today is that hopefully I and Jesus are lovingly pointing something out to you because we care about you enough to say something. I don't want that for you. Jesus does not want that for you, and that's why he talks about it. And so, man, some of you need to consider, truly, is this me? Is this me? And I know that there are some people here today watching online that this is true because the city that we live in is filled with religiously lost people, people who think they are alive in Jesus Christ but are dead in their sins. And if that's you, the question I want you to ask is, what should I do about it then? What should I do about it? And Jesus lovingly gives you the answer to this. In John 15, he says this, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, bearing fruit requires us to abide in Jesus. And Jesus is inviting you, if you are not a Christian, Jesus is inviting you to stop depending on your own fruit for salvation. Because what some of you are doing is what Paul Tripp calls fruit stapling. Here's what Paul Tripp says. He says, if a tree produces bad apples year after year, there is something drastically wrong with the system down to its roots. It won't, I won't solve the problem by stapling new apples on the branches. They also will rot because they are not attached to a life-giving root system. And next spring, I will have the same problem again. I will not see a new crop of healthy apples because my solution has not gone to the heart of the problem. If the tree's root remains unchanged, it will never produce good apples. The point is, much of what we try to produce growth and change in our lives and others is simply no more than fruit stapling. It attempts to change the apples for apples without examining the heart, the root behind the, behind the behavior. Some of you are just not attached to the vine. You're not attached to the root. You keep trying to staple fruit in your life, trying to convince yourself that you are the real deal. And I know as you do that, some of you are feeling exhausted because you feel like you can never keep up you now feel like you can keep up the shred. Some of you are terrified because it's like, what does someone think if they found out the real me? That I'm just trying to make it look like I'm here. You know, if you had to earn God's favor based on your own works, you will never have enough fruit to be able to do that. And Jesus is saying lovingly to you, you don't have to do that anymore. Abide in me. Jesus says the same, thing, the same thing to Christians. You know, sometimes Christians, we can be attached to the root, be attached to the vine. But we often in our life, as we try to live out God's calling for our lives, we're not tapping into that vine. 
We're still trying to do it in our own power, in our own strength. Jesus says, stop trying to do that. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. I could come up here today and preach a sermon to you. I can take all my wisdom and knowledge, the things I've gained over the year, and slap it together, get up here and say it to you. And it could work. But I guarantee you, that sermon would not have the same power as it would if I had poured myself into Christ over this week, invited him into the process, said, would you speak through me? Would you change my life first before I ask anybody else to do the same? There's gonna be so much more power in that sermon. It's the same for you when you think about your relationships or serving, being on mission, being generous. Jesus is saying, invite me into that. Abide with me, rest in me, spend time with me, and I am going to produce a fruit in you that you could never produce on your own. That's his invitation for us today. And we know that we can love and trust him because Jesus is the ultimate fruit bearer. Is he not? When he went and died on a tree for us, he produced a fruit that goes into eternity, that gives us life, it gives meaning, it gives hope to us. And not just for eternity, but for today. Some of you are here today and you are in a season where you don't feel like you are bearing the fruit that you wish you could. But we know that sometimes the gardener prunes us, feels painful, and it's not fun, but it knows that Jesus is doing the work in our lives so that we can be more fruitful in seasons to come. It's your trust in him. The last verse says this, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Let me ask you a question. Who are you being recognized for today? What are you being recognized for today? If you're an unbeliever, I want you to ask the question, am I really a Christian? Am I a Christian or not? Maybe some of you need to get brave and ask someone close to you, ask them to speak freely. Do you really see any spiritual fruit in my life? And be brave enough to hear what they have to say. For all of us, we need to ask the question, who are you listening to? Who are you being shaped and influenced by? How are they shaping and influencing you? And should you be, being, <laughs> should you be influenced and shaped by those people? Some of you need to say, who do I need to stop following today? Some of you need to start asking the question, who do I need to start following? And Christian, well, I wanna speak to you. Christians, what would it look like if everyone in this church was bearing fruit in abundance what kind of difference would we be making in our city, in our world, if we were all doing that? Maybe the question you need to ask as a Christian today is, Holy Spirit, where do I need to be growing in fruit more in my life? In what ways do I need to be abiding more in Christ? What are some of the spiritual disciplines I need to start taking steps in today? What would you love me to do, not in my own strength and power, but in your strength and power, Lord? Let's ask these questions. Let's take it seriously. Maybe talk to someone today and say, hold me accountable to this. Ask me how I'm doing with this. And trust that the Lord is going to use you and work in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message. God, and I come to you wanting to bear more fruit in my own life, Lord. Spirit, would you move in me? God, everything that is far from you, God, would you draw near? And I pray that for every single one of the people in our church hearing this word from you today, God, would you draw us near to you and produce fruit in our lives, Lord, that you would use in beautiful ways. 
God, whether that's the first time or whether that's many years of walking with you, Christ, would you help us to look more like you, the ultimate fruit bearer, the greatest ever was, Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen.